Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your nerds! Hello and welcome to the Nerd Degree Late Night with Conan, in which we eschew <laughs> the feeble trappings of civilization and especially fancy words like a shoe in order to embrace that fiercest of nerdy stereotypes, the barbarian. So, oil up your pecs. Let those flying locks of yours flow free and bid goodbye to your entire family who will inevitably be slaughtered before your eyes in the first act. <laughs> We're going to make a life off the strength of our arms and the sharpness of our swords, exploring ruins, rescuing damsels, and not saying very much. And our choice of browser will be Google Chrome. <laughs> I'm your host, Ben Allen, and with me are teams of two mighty warriors who face the difficult quest of producing an audio show while still staying in character as taciturn and grunty. So, to my left... Who have we got here tonight? Uh, hello, my name is Brendan Bennett. I'm uh, an improviser and a playwright. And Brendan, if you were a barbarian and you had to choose a two-handed weapon, the, uh, the, uh, the, the signature weapon of all barbarians, what would you choose oh, well, to wield? Something that can only be wielded with two hands would, of course, be a burger. A burger? <laughs> uh, yeah, and important, important to note, you, you put the little fingers underneath. That's mm. the optimal... Uh, Handhold structure for a burger. But what if, like, you can, you can eat probably McDonald's hamburger with one hand, don't you think? It's not like, a burger. It's, it's not, not I mean, a burger. It doesn't count. Okay, right, okay. So you're going to have a two handed burger. Okay. Yes. Yeah, uh, that's how I yeah. order it. Yeah. Give me a two handed burger. A burger for a man. Okay. Uh, and to Britain's Lift. Uh, hi, my name's Andrew. I'm a writer for birthmoviesdeath.com and uh, I'm a filmmaker for myself. <laughs> Good. And uh, what, uh, would you, what would your choice of weapon be, Andrew? Uh, I actually have my two-handed weapon here, which is uh, my Nintendo Switch. <laughs> um, uh, because I'll have you know, I have a B minus ranking on Splatoon Two, and uh, I'm pretty proud of that. But so, to, to be fair, I'm not sure if you're going to inspire fire, you know, fear in a physical opponent when you when you roll up playing video games with. Well, two it depends if that person is playing the same video game or not. Okay, as long as they rank lower than B minus. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Which isn't many players. <laughs> uh, and tonight, uh, what will your team of warriors be called? Uh, we will be plumbing the artistic depths of, uh, of barbarian culture, and uh, we are called Frazette About It. <laughs> Frazette About It. Very good. Frazette About It, everybody. Uh, and now the mighty squad to my right. Uh, kia ora, my name's Erin Harrington. I'm an academic and I write about uh, film and television and horror and stuff. And my two-handed weapon would be a big, heavy, 80s-style ghetto blaster <laughs> <laughs> that you must kind of lift using the best of your biceps. And, like, you can stand in the rain outside somebody's house and, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So you can do that. You can do the whole um, do-the-right-thing public enemy type thing so that you can rouse the troops around you where you can just blast 80s soft rock at people until they submit. <laughs> until they <laughs> Hold on, hold on, Aaron, 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 this is a barbarian episode. It sounds like you're trying to be a bard. <laughs> well, but, but a really tough bard. <laughs> but Maybe. if it's 80 st- stereo technology, right, like hitting someone with that is probably reasonably it's, effective. It's very right. pointy. It's quite large and And it probably solid. weighs about eight and a half kilos. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, and yeah. to Aaron's right tonight. Uh, kia ora, my name is Jeff Clark. I'm an improviser, comedian, and a father of two, so I'm used to ongoing battles with... Uh, Seemingly infatigable foes. And um, 
My my two-handed weapon of choice would be the bow staff because uh, Donatello was my favourite Ninja Turtle. Uh, it's uh, great for poking things with, and I'm least likely to chop off my own arm with it. That's right. I think you feel you've gained an immediate advantage in Rumble just by choosing an actual weapon, as well, <laughs> which could be very important. Uh, and what will your team be called tonight? We are Red Sonia Redemption. Red Sonia Redemption. Give them a round of applause. <laughs> Okay, so we'll get into it. Of course, as always, the first round, the nerd quotient. So I'm going to ask this to Frazette about it. <laughs> How did the 1982 Conan the Barbarian film prove that you can have too much of a good thing? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people said that film was just too good. <laughs> yeah, like uh, people would go to the movies and they would come out uh, actual barbarians because <laughs> the film... Had had too, been just, so yeah. inspiring. Oh, too oh, inspiring. So much acting. Put, put some, put some hey, of it back. James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones was in that movie. Uh, yeah, with the most acting. astonishing wig. <laughs> yeah, he did have a pretty amazing wig. <laughs> Wait, that was a wig. <laughs> <laughs> um, not quite what I'm looking for. Um, Red Sonja Redemption. Do you have any ideas on this? Or? So what, what was the question again? How, how did it prove you can have too much of a good thing? Too much of a good thing. I'll give you a bit of a clue. It specifically relates to to Arnold upon being cast in the film. What was it? Was it to do with some of his earlier roles when uh, he was overdubbed, such as when he was in uh, Hercules in New York, and now he gets to use his real proper voice, but it's so incomprehensible. It's too much of a good thing that he just doesn't <laughs> say anything. He used to, apparently, uh, prior to Conan the Barbarian, he actually uh, did uh, colour commentary for uh, body, a lot of bodybuilding championships that so he wasn't involved in. Nobody could understand him. <laughs> but they kept them on because they thought it, was, it sounded great. Uh, he, this uh, might help you know that he... He came, he was cast in the role... Was he too muscular? He was too muscular. Wow. So, well done, Brendan, you get some points for that. He was so muscular, he, um, he started the film pretty much concurrently with the end of his career as a professional bodybuilder. Mm. And he was so muscly that he couldn't wield the sword properly. <laughs> he, was, he was so muscly that he couldn't swing it around as required. And so he had to actually tone down in order to be able to swing the sword. He also had to do all of his own stunts. Because Why? There was no stunt Because they couldn't find a stunt man. They couldn't find a stunt man that looked anything like him. They just strapped two of yeah. their normal stunt people together. <laughs> um, I so thought there was going to be something about... When you said he's too muscular, I was like, oh, so like he couldn't fit into the costumes that had been tailor-made for him. No, well, like um, he couldn't fit into that loincloth. <laughs> yeah. But then I was, like, I was like, oh, he's like mostly shirtless. But yeah, so he was, it's too muscular. He was too muscly to swing his sword around, so he, he had to tone it down. Oh, oh Ben, um, if I know an obscure pop culture fact about Conan, do, do I get a bonus point? You might have to save it. It, okay. might, be, it might be a question yet, Jeff. Oh, okay. Yet, Jeff. okay. Um, Conan the Barbarian, though, 1982, uh, came out, it was the last film released by a major studio with what? Does anyone know? This is like one of these uh, formatting questions, perhaps. Ooh. With no stuntmen. Uh, <laughs> uh, last film with... released with completely without a plot. <laughs> was it, uh, was it, was that it, is not true. No, no, that's really not true. Uh, was the, the last film released by a major studio with a mono soundtrack? Yes, Andrew, well wow. done. Wow. Give him a round of applause. Bonus points there, very well, good. Technically, they call it a Mano soundtrack. <laughs> Mano. <laughs> okay, next question is for it's Red Sumption, a Sonya Redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, what did Chevy Chase, Ed Harris, and Aquatine Hunger Force have in common with Conan the Barbarian? Uh, well, I know that Aquatine Hunger Force was the reason why there was a big terrorist call out in um, 
and Boston at some stage. And we know that Chevy Chase is a noted uh, terrorist who lives near Boston. <laughs> <laughs> and Ed Harris, where does he come into this Oh, he's, he just has opinions on the matter. So yeah. he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a terrorist commentator. Uh, it's movie-related, if it helps you. Uh, is it that they... Um, is it that uh, Chevy Chase engages in Conan cosplay in his spare time, and in doing so, oh, he he voiced some of the yeah. characters in um, Acting Hunger. Well, there was, a, there was an episode quite. of Community where he cosplayed as Beastmaster, wasn't it? Yeah. Wasn't that Chevy Chase wearing a Beastmaster mm, costume, be, which was a, a mighty Andrew, barbarian? Andrew, do you have any ideas about this? You made a, a knowing noise before. Oh, they, uh, they all appear in movies. They do all appear in movies, <laughs> which um, may help you from in answering the question. They've all appeared in um, uh, scenes shot in the same locations. No. Oh, oh, did they? Um, did they? Were they voice actors on the series Conan the Adventurer, the animated series? <laughs> the Aquatine Hunger Force. Well, like the voice <laughs> actors from Aquatine Hunger Not Force. Not quite. No. What we're looking for here is uh, is artwork related. So uh, these people are all subjects for. Fancy, fantasy slash erotica slash cheesecake artist uh, Boris Vallejo. Oh, uh, that guy. Uh, yeah, the Peruvian-born painter. So he, um, we've got some visuals here. So you can see this. This is a, a Conan book that came out in 1953 when it was first started to be republished. And you can see that the Conan on the left there looks almost Roman. It wasn't really a the bar- classic <laughs> barbarian look. Um, this is what they call an ace double novel, where they used to publish. Two books, uh, 180 degrees from each other, stuck on the other side. The, the novel on the right there, can anyone, uh, just as, this is incidental, but that's uh, by Lee Brackett. Who uh, co-wrote um, The Empire Strikes Back. The Empire Back. Strikes Back. So, mm. yeah, so she was published together with this um, uh, uh, Conan in the 50s. But then uh, Franzetta about it, as you'll know, your, um, your mate Frank Franzetta came along in the 60s. That's one of his paintings on the left and uh, started defining... The, the classic look of Conan the Barbarian and Barbarians as we know it today. And then, and then, and then Boris Vallejo came along and made it even more obscenely ridiculous. That's right. So <laughs> this is Boris Vallejo on the right, uh, who, who basically took from what Franzetta was doing and ran with it's, it. It's all bulges. Yeah, it's that's all his, bulges. That's his style. And so he, um, he became known for some quite famous uh, uh, illustrations of Conan book covers. Where you can see a bit of a theme going on. Yeah, the sort of the muscly Conan, not wearing much, the classic sword look and the skeleton. And of course, he's got his own uh, distinct career where he's coming up with this kind of stuff, bulges all round. See, this um, is, what de- is that this man is doing to Cerberus? This is, these are the covers of the 80s soft rock ballads that I'm going That's to be right. playing. So if yeah. you're thinking of like anything, the, the, the classic art style is anything that can be painted on the side of a van. This is Journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can just imagine him going into the paint shop. Well, what kind of colours will you need? Flesh tones and nothing else. <laughs> yeah, so I like this one on the left, which is he called the Amazons because they all still have 80s hair. Like, really? <laughs> 80s haircut. But uh, so Boris Vallejo, if you wanted to, so he became a whole visual thing. And if you wanted to parody uh, Boris Vallejo paintings, you would just apparently just go and hire oh, so he did Boris that. Vallejo, uh, who did this painting for National uh, Lampoon's Vacation. And he did the poster for the Aquatine right. Hunger Force movie. Yes, that's I used right, to, which yeah. is here. Here we go. There it is, mm-hmm. Equity Hunger Force. And on the right, 90s kids, he also did the cover art for the video game Echo, Echo the, the Dolphin. Dolphin. Oh. Yeah. 
There you go. So it's it's all him. Now um, that I look at Echo the Dolphin, you can totally you can see. see you can see the porn in the bubble. Echo is, yeah. Echo it's is just totally boobs. naked. Yeah. Like he, he does have a lot of bulgy dolphin <laughs> muscles in that, in that particular rendition. So, um, present about it. How did Conan win an Oscar? Oh yeah, not not many people know Arnie won the won the Oscar for Best Actor. <laughs> he most certainly did not. He certainly improved a lot in that film. Apparently, he got a lot of coaching from uh, Max von Sydow and mm. James Earl Jones as as to how to actually act. Decent decent sources of uh, uh, acting coaching. No, but it, it was uh, it was not it was not for a Conan movie. Can you <laughs> yeah. repeat the question? Yeah, how did Conan <laughs> win an Oscar? But not for a kind of movie. Uh, Conan, the character, became manifested as a real person (laughs) and uh, uh, disguised himself as Daniel Day Lewis uh, (laughs) in order to further disguise himself. I'm going to give you a clue. I'm going to give you a clue, but it's probably not going to help you. The Oscar in question went to Renee Zellweger. (laughs) Was 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 that so? Was Cold Mountain? Best supporting actress. Uh, at is she Mountain. related to Robert E. Howard? No, not quite. Uh, Getting closer. Uh, uh, no, Roots on your redemption. Any ideas? I was going to say one of those things where you know she's been kind of really you know harassed for you know kind of putting on weight or dropping weight in movies, mm-hmm. and I was wondering if she put on some bulges, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and that leant towards yeah so, some Rosetta type muscle tone, and oh, that well, leant to did she did she um, uh, pull a stunt at the at the podium and say, I can't accept this Oscar, so I'm going to donate it to, Co- to Conan? Well, not quite. Well, she was so muscular that they couldn't get a stunt double for her. <laughs> did not find no one to look like. Was the Cold Reza Mountain Olga. the location of one of the shoots for Conan? No, no. Um, what happened was when she went up to uh, get the Oscar for Cold Mountain, she thanked Vincent D'Onofrio for, quote, teaching her how to act, and that was a reference to her experience. Uh, filming with Vincent D'Onofrio on the movie The Whole Wide World, which is a biopic about Robert E. Howard and the teacher that he was in love with, which they wouldn't have made if Robert E. Howard hadn't written Conan the Barbarian. So it's directly responsible for it as Elvis Oscar. I think you'll all agree. Um, <laughs> it was a long walk to get to that It was a long walk. Um, but, yeah, um, he, had a, he had a sad old life, Robert E. Howard. Um, Can we, just before you get into it, does he turn out to be super racist? No. <laughs> no, he was actually, well, like, I don't know if you've read it, going in the Barbarian story. But uh, he was mates with H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, okay, so super so, racist. Yeah, super of course, racist. Was super, he wasn't himself super racist. People have argued anyway. Um, but he was mates with... <laughs> but he with was okay Lovecraft. with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he wouldn't call them out on it in the middle of like a big conversation. That's part. right. Uh, friends, it about it. Uh, what's Daenerys from Game of Thrones been hiding under her dress this whole time? Well, I think if you watch the earlier seasons, you're, you're pretty well aware of very little. I mean, she's, I mean, she's been hiding uh, CGI nudity because uh, that's what they do these days. That's right. It's, uh, it's especially in the first five seasons. Mm. Pretty much every time you saw her on screen, uh, there was something you may not have been aware of. It wasn't her butt. No, no. Uh, Costuming related. Costuming. Are we talking Merkins here? No, not, not Merkins. <laughs> Maybe you're I, talking Merkins. Well, just, just Andrew was telling me about Spartacus and how there was someone dedicated to uh, attaching yeah, Merkins. Yeah, a friend of mine. <laughs> was was a Merkin, Merkin, Merkin dresser on, uh, on Spartacus. Um, 
Um, Ritz on your redemption, any ideas what uh, she's got going on there? Well, um, would she like conceal it? Was she pre- like I know that for um, Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot had to have her baby bump CGI'd out. Um, did the, did did Amelia Clark have something going on that she needed no, to remove? No, no. Um, basically, any time you saw her in a dress um, and continues at this day, she has pants on underneath it, uh, pants and boots. Like um, like Peter Cushing in Star Wars. Is it, is who it, was always wearing slippers because just out of frame. Is it because she's like me and she just can't be fuck shaving her <laughs> Well, the reason they did it is to uh, to reflect the fact that her character has always got a fear that everything she's built is going to come crashing down around her, and she's going to have to run away, and that she's going to she's going to need pants and boots and not be wearing a, a, a very impractical dress. But they also they did it to tie her into the barbarian like. Dothraki. Now, can anyone explain to me why pants and boots horses. are barbarian-like? Riding horses? Not can't, horses? Can't, can't, can't ride horses. Uh, riding tigers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to Roman times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, for, to the Romans, the defining characteristics of a barbarian were drinking milk and wearing trousers. That's right, Brendan. That's exactly right. Give Brendan a round of applause for that one. He's <laughs> So, so pants, pants and boots used to define, in part, what uh, barbarians were for Romans. Um, uh, they were seen as identifying items of clothing for groups perceived as barbaric or non-Roman. Um, many Germanic groups, as, like the Goths and Huns, uh, were characterised uh, by historians of the times as wearing pants and boots. And they actually passed a law in Rome banning pants. From the city, wow. oh. you were not allowed to and wear it pants. Continues there was, to this day, there was a statute that said within the city of Rome, no one should wear pants or boots. But if any man, after the issuance of this regulation of our clemency, should obstinately persist in such <laughs> continuancy, he shall be punished accordingly, as his legal status permits, and expelled from our sacred what city. Do, what, what, do they do? The what is the punishment that, they, they that fits the crime of wearing the pants? Of wearing pants. Yeah. I don't know. They down pull down the trousers and smack <laughs> you on the bum. Down trousers, yeah. Um, about 20 years later, they passed another law which uh, banned people with long hair uh, and animal skins, which is another Quite kind right. of barbarian-like thing. Hippies. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so, so pants, That's apparently she's got pants on this whole time. Now we're all going to look extra carefully, aren't we, to see if we can detect her pants. <laughs> If you follow the plot line, she's certainly the one wearing the pants. She is yeah. the one wearing the pants. Um, uh, Red Sonia Redemption, this is an appropriate question for you. Would you rather fight Red Sonia with a J, Red Sonia with a Y, or Red Sonia with an I? I. I. Good answer. Absolutely 100% yes. correct. <laughs> Give them a round of applause. <laughs> uh, so, so Red Sonia has got a complex... Um, Character history. So, the original Robert E. Howard character uh, was actually uh, a character from the uh, from about fifteen twenties who appeared in a story about uh, fighting the Ottomans in the siege of Vienna. She had a gun and a pistol. Yep. Uh, and then comics writer Jeff, you might know a little bit about this. Um, read Sonia's comic book origins. Oh, the origin. I, I'm pretty sure she was just a spin-off character from a Conan issue. She like appeared in some early That's Conan right. stories and then got her own series. Yeah. So she she so the 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 writer of the comic went back to that uh, to that original story featuring Red Sonia with a Y, mm. Red Sonia of Rogatino, and he reset that. He basically took the whole plot of that story and just dropped it into the Conan universe. Yep. And she became the uh, the barbarian character that we we sort of know now, mm-hmm. an early early wearer of the classic chainmail bikini, uh, which is <laughs> now 
propagated through the pioneer. Uh, so that's yeah. Red Sonja with a J, <laughs> yeah, which is also the film. Red Sonja with Y is the original uh, uh, Robert E. Howard character, mm-hmm. and uh, people believe that he got her name. From, as we mentioned before, H.P. Lovecraft, he was mates with her. His wife at the time was named Sonia, and she had red hair. And, uh, and a metal bikini. <laughs> uh, she didn't wear a metal bikini yeah. because it was an eldritch metal bikini. <laughs> um, and they believe that uh, he based that on her. So, yeah, H.P. Lovecraft's wife is definitely the one that you want to fight <laughs> over the. H.P. Lovecraft had a wife. Yeah, he did for two years. <laughs> and even more randomly, she was Jewish. So, like. <laughs> His anti-Semitic ranks did not like sort of apparently apply to the person that he was married to. Uh, just stuck around for two years then. Um, can anybody um, give me any expansion on uh, <laughs> on on Robert E. Howard's connection with H.P. Lovecraft? So there were, was, there were mates they cons- they corresponded by letter quite a lot, and, uh, and it became carnal uh, <laughs> a few years into their friendship. Well, that would be quite an uncovery for a biographer. Did they do one of those things where they'd get, um, where they were co-writing a story and they'd get halfway through a sentence and send it to the other guy and he'd write a few more lines? Well, and just about, because um, the early versions of the Conan stories, uh, a lot of people have reckoned that there's a Cthulhu crossover uh, whereby the old mm. ones turn mm. up in the Conan yeah. stories, uh, the, the eldritch gods <laughs> and things like that. Um, well, well, that, a lot of people have reckoned that. <laughs> well, there are like, mentions, there are mentions exactly that... Is it in the text or is there, it? There are, there's a lot of quotes about the old ones and Eldritch mm. Horrors and uh, the fact that they were writing letters to each other constantly. I'm, but I'm, that explains um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's casting because that's all he ever says is, you're so rough, and you can't yeah. <laughs> it's very difficult to understand. Else. I'm, um, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that H.P. Lovecraft and, and Ronnie Howard were like just challenging each other. Okay, you have to put these ad- adjectives in your next book. <laughs> and there'd be like three pages and they'd have to seed them through. Um, so Arnie, of course, also turned up in the Red Sonja film. Can you want to tell me anything unusual about his appearance in that movie? No. <laughs> no. Anything unusual about his appearance or him appearing in he's, that movie? He's referred to it as his, the worst film he ever made in his career. It's new to me that this film exists. Oh, yeah, yeah Bridget Nielsen. 1995, yeah, uh, Bridget Nielsen. And uh, yeah. it was a, was a Razzie Award winner. Oh, yeah. We watched it um, one Christmas a few years ago. Just, well, what's that thing where you're kind of sitting around and you're a bit bored and you're like, oh, let's watch a childhood classic. And, and it happened to be Red Sonja and it was Not fucking awful. It is terrible. It's a terrible it film. So, Arnie, it it's boring. Is it yeah. Arnold's only sex scene? I don't uh, know well, no, done. he's kind of, kind of got one in Conan as well. But he oh, yeah. he agreed to appear in that as a kind of glorified cameo as a favour to the producer. And he was due to be on um, set for a week. And then they kept him there for four weeks <laughs> filming stuff. And then they just, he discovered, uh, when he watched a rough cut of the film, they had basically stealthily upgraded him to co-star status by <laughs> filming him with multiple cameras from tricky angles. Wow. And he became... So they bow-fingered him. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah he became basically lead build in that film. Oh, wow. Uh, and by basically this glorified Just cameo. lots of B-roll. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, as I say, he's, just, he's, he's referred it to the worst film of his career, and he's, he said... Uh, now when my kids get out of line, they're sent to their room and forced to watch Red and Sonya <laughs> ten times. <laughs> I never have too much trouble with them. Oh, man. Uh, last question uh, in this round for uh, friends that about it. What's wrong with the word barbarians? Uh, well, There's nothing wrong with the word barbarians, Ben. Well, it's, it's perfectly fine. You didn't might it, say didn't that. It referred to the way that the Romans... Th- 
or actually that was it's, the it's Greeks. It goes back to the Greeks. Greeks. It goes back to the Greeks. The Greeks thought that foreigners sounded like. That's very good, Brendan. Give Brendan a round of applause. He's pretty much onto it. Yeah, so as a term, it's actually hella racist. Uh, <laughs> because the Greek etymology translates roughly to stammering because the Greeks characterised all foreigners as speaking unintelligible right. gibberish. Which is why they cast Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. That's right. Um, the Romans basically applied it to the term to anyone uh, to, who meant, you know, who they thought was uncivilised, including the Goths, classically the Goths, who actually had perfectly civilised forms of trade, diplomacy, architecture and agriculture uh, and, and suffered greatly at the hands of the Romans. Supposedly, civilised Romans at one point were actually um, buying the kids of the Goths as slaves uh, and for one child sold into slavery, you would get the meat of one dog uh, for your child. Um, I mean, it's just a free market, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, market you just got to trust the free market. It'll sort everything out. Um, China. China actually long had a concept as well, which is called the Four Barbarians. Does anyone know what the Four Barbarians were? There's basically everybody outside of China to the east, everybody outside of China to the north, <laughs> everybody outside of China to the west and south. So, so basically barbarian means foreigners we don't like. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very racist term. Mm. Um, so that brings the end of the... Not- Oh, but I've got my fact. Can I use oh, my no, fun okay. fact? Give me, a, not... give me a fact, Jeff. Give me a All fact. All right. The origin of a certain famous toy line and cartoon series can be attributed to the movie Conan the Barbarian. And I'm talking, of course, anyone know what it is? I know He-Man. what it is. You're not talking yes, about He-Man. You've He-Man. This in a previous episode. Yes, I have. <laughs> He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. They originally created, the, they were gonna, they, uh, with the movie, they were going to create a toy line to go with the Conan movie to appeal to kids. And then they saw the movie, realised there was no way kids were going to get to see it because it was R-rated. And so they rapidly had to rethink what they did. And so they painted Conan's hair blonde, gave him a little, uh, little uh, like, mankini made of metal, <laughs> and, um, and, and created the character of He-Man. They had to write an entire mythology on the fly. And so from the... The, the failed Conan toy guess. line came yeah. the toys. Mythology, which quote, <laughs> came the toy line, which then inspired the cartoon series. That's very good, Jeff. I will give you five points for that. Ooh, and, then, and then I will take them away again no. because uh, <laughs> I obviously read a lot about barbarians in this uh, research for the episode and discovered that that's an urban myth. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, so oh, apparently... Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. No. They, My world is a lie. <laughs> The, the timelines oh. do not line up on it. Oh, apparently. man. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a good story. It's a great story, <laughs> though. So no points. I'm sorry. Plus five, then minus five. That had the ring of truthiness to it. Um, <laughs> it I was so mentioned, plausible. I should have mentioned before that, of course, we've got a scorekeeper in the booth tonight. Is Andrew, Andrew, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm doing quite civilised at the moment. Very civilised. <laughs> good. I like to keep it civilised. How are the scores looking after that first round? Well, we've got... Uh, let's see... Uh, cleaving a path to the front, uh, Frazette about it on 15. Uh, they are the loincloths of this round, but unfortunately the Merkins, uh, the Red Sonja Redemption on 13, uh, sorry, 12 and a half. Uh, Frazette about, give them a round of applause. Yes, because, uh, oh. of course, uh, your loincloth should always be in front of your merkin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Such a slim but important difference between <laughs> a loincloth and a merkin. Um, um, otherwise, people ask, why does your loincloth have a moustache? <laughs> if your merkin is in front of your loincloth, oh, you I, 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 feel, I feel just like Arnold Schwarzenegger watching Red Sonja for the first time. <laughs> um, now, we're going to the first of the homework uh, rounds. I asked uh, both the teams to recount 
a triumph mm. adventure or battle from their own life in the story, uh, or in the style, rather, of the classic sword and sorcery genre. So uh, let's start over to my right with Jeff, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, your story of triumph. The dawn sun rose slowly, as if caught in the web-like strands of fog that curled like tendrils into the morning sky. (laughs) The wind carried thick droplets on it, not a rain, but a lingering mist of the night before. Betwixt buildings atop low hills, sculptor figure, head bowed, his thoughts set only to his single-minded purpose. Upon his back he wore a rucksack of black with highlights of green that reflected what dim light there was in the still-waking scene. His coat of blue, a royal blue, although his parentage was not as lofty a height, served well to keep out the damp that made the ground sodden underfoot. Beneath the hood upon his head he wore a knitted cap, for he had no mane of wavy locks to ward back the midwinter chill. His was a scalp that hid not from the eyes of man. (laughs) This figure wove through the almost labyrinthine paths with rehearsed tread. This was a path he had walked many a morning. He knew his task well, but how would fortune favour him today? Victor or victim, hero or the vanquished, he lifted his eyes to the rising sun, soon or too late. His pace increased. He now heard the sounds of movement ahead. He rounded the corner and saw, emerging out of the darkness, his prey. Its immense yellow hide was flecked with mud. Its roar, even from far away, was low and grim. It did not like the cold any more than he. But it was almost past the marker. If he did not move quickly, it would be lost. The blue-coated figure cursed beneath his breath. He had been too slow, lingered too long to see the faces of his wife and children for him embarked again upon his laborious quest. His legs were spurred into action. His gait increased as he pursued. He had, not, he had now but to cross the final barrier. There was hope yet. He ran on, hoping, striving. But the beast was already past. Impotently, he waved his arm and roared a battle cry that signalled no victory. But it was not heard, or if so, ignored. Defeated, he slumped. Up ahead at the next marker, the beast paused, but only for a moment. He could no longer chase it. His lungs burned and his strength was sapped from the 15 seconds of exertion. (laughs) The droplets in the air congealed around him and began to fall, mocking the tears he would not cry. He trudged up to the weather-worn stanchion, even as the beast turned ahead of him and was lost from view. He lifted his thumb and placed it against the marker. Yellow line... Twelve minutes. He sighed, raised his hood against the chill and waited. He would have to catch the next one. (laughs) Jeff Clark, everybody. Okay, going to my left. Andrew, what have you got for us? Uh, Well, I I went with um, uh, tonally quite a similar uh, (laughs) approach to Jeff, but I think um, uh, my... The the battle that I illustrated is, is, is... Probably even more uh, difficult. Dawn broke upon him like his studded war axe had upon so many skulls before it. (laughs) Searing his pale, unbroken skin and casting his muscles into stark chiaroscuro, it brought him surging to life, roaring the enraged scream of the accursed. Too long had he spent slaughtering his enemies, gorging on fire-scorched meats and slugging back endless tankards of brew. The dawn mocked him as he lay prone, filled with the spoils of battle and the pain of interrupted drinking. Even the wild beast at his side, cautiously married to his cause, made callous jibes at his slumber. Blink. Seconds turned into minutes. Minutes turned into lots of ten minutes. Lots of ten minutes turned into hours. Respite seemed unreachable as he clenched his meat-stained teeth, the golden-white orbs in his skull clouded with sanguine fury. (laughs) He'd become soft, 
His once powerful trunkish limbs splayed helplessly across the stone upon which he'd elected to restore his vitality. His mighty allies brayed for his vigor, for his virility, for his mere presence. He would not give them up. He could not. No bodily pleasure would be had today. The beast would not be tamed. Kingdoms would not fall by his hand. His was a slip into the afterlife before the afterlife that could not be stymied. Blink. Shadows played across against the ancient crumbling walls. Shadows heralding the coming of night. The coming of razor-toothed beasts. Of huge-breasted whores. Of dark (laughs) machinations and pugilistic anger. Clutching his cragged visage, he reached deep into the Stygian emptiness of his heart and yet more Stygian emptiness of his muscles. He strained against every elemental force, ascending towards the skies as a phoenix from ash, taking his rough-hewn mass in shuddering stride. Glistening and nude, his manhood engorged with the thick, lusty heat of exertion and his forehead just as veiny, he stood proud against the setting sun, silhouetted in a glowing halo akin to godliness. Onlookers cowered at his mighty figure, arisen once more to crush the hordes before him. The earth cracked, the sky tore asunder from the horizon. Mothers clutched their babies, and warriors cowered behind their great shields as he blinked again, focusing his gaze upon any who dared cross his sight. He was up, and he had missed breakfast. (laughs) Andrew, everybody! I honestly cannot call that one. <laughs> I'm going to have to give 10 points each on that one. Yes, that's fantastic. Very, very good. Uh, we're on to a round next called Bad for Your Elf. Uh, and I believe it was you guys, Red Sonia Redemption, were bringing up the rear mm-hmm. week. So I'm going to give you that. Um, Bad for Your Elf works like this. Um, I've given them a list of things in a category. Today's category is uh, Sword and Sorcery Feature Films of the 1980s. Uh, Titles thereof. Uh, They've got a list of those genuine ones. They're going to read them out, and the other team's going to have to guess if they are genuine titles or if they're making them up. Um, Before we get get into it, though, anyone can give me a bonus uh, definition of what, what defines, commonly accepted, define sword and sorcery as aside from epic as opposed to epic fantasy? Uh, they generally have two uh, elements. Uh, <laughs> and sorcery. But, but for example, for well, example... the important thing is that they have both of them. It's not swords or sorcery. But, and and yes. it's not swords and or sorcery. Mm. No, but Lord it's, of the Rings has both of those things and Lord not, does not and count. Lord and or of the Rings. <laughs> Um, but the commonly accepted definition. They're just pulpier, right? Yeah, well, it's pulpier, <laughs> but, but the main thing is that it's just about some dude. It's some dude, right. like Conan the Barbarian is just some dude. He's not, like, <laughs> destined for anything or trying to claim his destiny. So or it's low fantasy. It's low fantasy versus high fantasy. So those are the just always some dude as well. And uh, although Conan was only a modest <laughs> success in 1982, modest box office success, it did spawn a wave of imitators. Mm. None of which I think these none of these titles scored over five on IMDb. <laughs> so if you'd like to take it away, there, Red Sonia Redemption. The Blade Master. The Blade Master. That sounds so real. That's, yeah, that's yeah, real. That's real. That's real. Yeah, it's real. It is real. Mm-hmm. The Blade Master. Yes, yeah. uh, was a uh, Italian film. As were uh, many of them. According to directors, shot in two weeks with no script. As were many of them. <laughs> Deathstalker and the Warriors from Hell. 
there were a, there were like five Deathstalker movies, but I think they all all the sequels had numbers. Um, so I'm going to say it's fake. It's real. It's real. Yeah, so it was just... Uh, a, it's, it's a bit tricky on you, Andrew, because that's an alternative title. I think we've... Uh, uh, we might have this here somewhere. Uh, yeah, there he is. Uh, Deathstalker. Deathstalker 3. Uh, I've got it's Deathstalker old, this 2. Is, uh, this is our old mate <laughs> Boris again, of course, <laughs> who illustrated a lot of those. <laughs> 80s hair to the fore once again. You know, I saw Deathstalker 1 at the movies a couple of years ago, <laughs> and... Uh, uh, I fell asleep several times in it, and um, uh, honestly, you could have like remixed the bits that I saw into any order, and it would have um, probably been probably been the same movie. Right here. <laughs> uh, Real. Ator <laughs> uh, the Fighting Eagle. <laughs> Pretty sure that's I'm pretty sure that's real. No, what? I'm the pretty fighting sure, eagle. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's real. Okay, it's real. I'm pretty sure, it's real. Yeah, it is real. It is real. Yeah. Uh, actually, the Blade Master was the sequel to A Tour the Fighting Eagle. <laughs> that was the sequel to A Tour yeah, the Fighting yeah, that's Eagle. That's right. That's A Tour the Fighting Eagle was the original. I guess it's like I guess it's like uh, uh, Rambo First Blood I, Part uh, Two. I was looking at uh, A Tour the Fighting Eagle, and uh, the IMDb quote section had one quote for A Tour the Fighting Eagle. <laughs> I will give it to you in its entirety. It's amazing. Ator, I love you. Sonia, and I love you. Ator, why can't we marry? Sonia, Ator, we are brother and sister. Ator, I'll talk with our father. This whole time I was visualizing Ator was actually an eagle. Yeah, like animated. Dragon Rider. I'm, it's it's so generic. I feel like it's fake. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's fake. fake. I think it's fake. It doesn't. It would be like Dragon Stalker. <laughs> there was our next one. <laughs> it's fake. It is fake. It is fake. I did. Find, I did find a film called Dragon Fight. I didn't put it on the list. <laughs> yeah, but there was oh, no. That sounds here. great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, assuming it has a dragon fight in it. <laughs> The bloodening iron and fire. The bloodening. That sounds like a like a a parody. Like a parody movie that you'd see in like I don't know South Park or something. Was it the bloodening? Colon. Colon. Iron and fire. The bloodening colon. See your doctor. See your doctor immediately. This is a different genre. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, that's iron deficiency. <laughs> iron and fire. I'm going to say fake. I'm going to say fake. I'm going to say fake. It's fake. It yeah. is fake. Yes. <laughs> it's a great title, though. Yeah. Make a I'd, note of that one, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, <laughs> I'd make that movie. Black Sword of Destiny. Ooh. Feels like it could be a foreign title to any number of films. Um, I, th- I think no. I think they're, I think they're yeah. trying to prove that they can come up with fake names, and they can't. Yeah. It is fake. It's fake. It is fake. It's fake. You're the hunter from the future. <laughs> uh, that is that is real. It's got to be real. Yeah, it is real. All right. You want it? Um. <laughs> oh, oh! I thought it was your as in you are. Like it was like a written in the second person. So there's your yeah. So uh, somehow UFOs are involved in this. A lot of these films are set in a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, with a regress because to... they're cheap to shoot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a couple more guys, maybe. All right, uh, 
The Warrior and the Sorceress. I, I, think think it's, I think it's too, I think it's too generic yeah. tip for Ben to have put it on his list. And I just think psychologically, just still trying to get a fake one <laughs> yeah. through. Well, it's fake. The warrior had a sword, it's, and it was sorcery because it's, it's real. real. Oh. It's real. Uh, the warrior is David Carradine. Oh, and it's is. a remake of Yojimbo. Another remake of Yojimbo. Oh, wow. um, yeah, so uh, they just reused that plot again. It's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one more, guys. Uh, Beast Brides. <laughs> I don't care if it's real or fake. I want to see it. <laughs> I, um, I specifically don't want to see it. <laughs> Beast Brides. Uh, I'm leaning. We're, we're, we're hearing the soundtrack from Beast Brides right now. <laughs> it's a spin off from Animal Husbandry. <laughs> <laughs> Beast Brides and Animal Husbandry. Um, I'm going to say it's fake. Fake. It's fake. It is fake. Yes, I can make it. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of points. Can Uh, I give you my favourite one, though? Yep. A nymphoid barbarian in dinosaur hell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Here it is. A nymphoid barbarian in dinosaur... In the tradition of Jurassic Park. (laughs) Um, that was a, that was a slight cheat there one because that was nineteen ninety. But yeah, I, I mostly got these. This, this is Iron Master. Oh, yeah, all much of a theme here. Uh, Hundra. <laughs> um, but mostly, I, I kept all these posters because I had to show you the uh, the poster for the Blade Master. So here's Etor the Fighting Eagle, <laughs> and Amazing. here is the poster for the sequel, the Blade Master. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're in. Wherein the subtext finally becomes text. Yeah. <laughs> he is mastering his blade. Um, so, yeah, they just tune these out through the 80s. Uh, Throne of Fire, uh, Gunan, King of Barbarians, and this is here's David Carradine with somebody else's body <laughs> and David Carradine's head. Yeah, there's no way that's David Carradine. Good. Does she have four breasts? Oh, yeah, just like... Just, don't question wow. it here. Just, just run with it. Okay, oh. Andrew, how, what are the scores looking like after that round? Oh, that, that's a much more barbaric round, I think. Um, we've got uh, Red Sonia Redemption uh, covered in blood at the moment on 24 and a half, but the real elvish barbarians of this round are frazzed about it on 32. Give them a round of applause. Yeah, let's check in with the second round of homework. Uh, Brendan, oh, Brendan, okay. what have you okay. uh, got for us? I actually, the... I got the homework backwards. So I have written um, one of Conan's adventures in the style of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will be very interested to hear this. Specifically in the style of one of my live journal entries from uh, the early 2000s. Uh, so, um, oh, goodness. <laughs> um, mood. Crushing enemies. <laughs> Currently listening to the lamentations of their women. <laughs> Dear Live Journal, sometimes I wonder what is even good in life. <laughs> so I'll just I'll just come out and say it, Live Journal. Uh, v broke up with me. Uh, things were going on as normal. We'd infiltrated Thulsa Doom's snake cult to rescue a princess. I know, yawn. Uh, there was this whole cannibal orgy party going on. I ended up stabbing like 15 guys. I sliced one guy clean in half, chopped off another guy's head, which was a massive hassle. (laughs) But at least it was better than making small talk. (laughs) Parties are just such a nightmare, and I always end up leaving early. 
in this case pursued by a screaming horde. <laughs> then I turned around and Subutai tells me that Valeria has been stabbed by Thulsa Doom's stiffened snake. But I don't even know if that's a metaphor. You have to look up that specific part of the movie for that to make sense. Um, <laughs> the end. Give <laughs> Brendan a round of applause, everybody. And finally in homework tonight, Erin. She slunk through the shadowed, shady gloom of the murky, broken stacks, sooty lamp in hand, each ancient oaken shelf a shield between her frail body and the wailing, gnashing horde. They will never find me here, not amongst actual books, she muttered to herself, a wasted incantation, each word dangling in the dusty dimness like the peripatetic participles that peppered the parchments that she'd left to moulder in the citadel. It had been a near escape, a dreadful desertion, a literary litany of lawlessness. Her tattered, tawdry, hooded cloak, the best she could purchase from the great city's vendors on an early career acolyte's meagre part-time salary, was as purple as the prose that she had, that had pulled at it. The sentences had ran on at her blistered heels, some spliced together in unholy unity by a constellation of contingent commas. Apoplectic apostrophes had keened wildly into the night, and subjects and verbs creaked and groaned in unholy, stygian disagreement. She was, though, the maker of her own bitter demise. She had accepted the impossible task, greenly, in a flight of abject fantasy that now felt catastrophically naive. What a fool to think her powers could ever tame the horde. A foolish essay, the cursed essays. She was marked for now and for all time. She reached her furtive, ink-stained fingers into the velvet pockets of her ruined cloak, hoping to clutch her one charm, her one hope to her thudding breast. The threadbare ruby pouch that had held her prize was limp, empty, and the icy claws of fear gripped at her throat suddenly, relentlessly. It was gone. There was a susuration behind her, a movement in the toppled stacks. Gripping her tarnished lamp of knowledge, she turned to see it, what she'd lost, her modifier, misplaced, now arching darkly above her. It was too late. The lamp fell from her rigid fingers and broke, all light abandoned. She was truly marked, and the markings never finished. Here it, everybody. A round of applause. Well, it's again tough to call, but I think I have to give it to Erin just for sheer amount of alliteration. <laughs> and in the finest uh, tradition of getting us all titillated, like Canadian stories, mentions of fingers going to velvet pockets. Uh, very, <laughs> very exciting. So Erin gets 10 points for that one. Uh, we're on to the next round now. Quick fire round. What's so great about civilization anyway? Uh, guys, I'm going to give you some of the uh, supposed benefits of civilizations that hmm. civilization is produced for us, and I would just like you to buzz in as you feel the need and tell me why they're not all that, basically. You know, who needs them, really? So, uh, to start us off, ice cream. I'm lactose intolerant, so ice cream fucking sucks. Yeah, <laughs> not that great, is it? No. no. What good is ice cream if it's uh, just going to melt like ice cubes do against your bare chest in the, in the heat of the desert sun. That's exactly right. Okay, good. Um, ice cream headaches. Ice cream headaches. Make yeah. it hard for you to swing your sword properly. <laughs> Almost as much as too many muzzles. Um, film festivals. Mm. Uh, Why would you gorge yourself upon cinema release after cinema release? 
Take them one at a time, <laughs> as is proper in all barbarian film fight sequences. That's right. Why would you watch uh, films about people fighting each other when you can just fight each other? Yeah, just resolve things directly. Uh, okay, uh, indoor plumbing. Oh. I'd rather just see the shit run straight down the middle of the village. <laughs> <laughs> Real warriors piss on their enemies' corpses. <laughs> yep, electric lighting. I'd rather see my enemies die by firelight. Possibly on fire. Real warriors burn their enemies' corpses. <laughs> you can't do that with an electric light. Uh, lawns. I would rather mow down my enemies. <laughs> I am above the petty lawns of man. Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, hold on now. <laughs> That's this, the end point of civilization, is it? Can you roast a pizza on a spit? <laughs> no! It's, it's, it's a weakling's food. <laughs> My muscles are so large, I cannot throw a pizza in the proper fashion. <laughs> Opera. I would rather hear my enemies sing as I slit them from jowl to groin. <laughs> and the lamentations of their women. It's brutal. Uh, it's impossible uh, for opera to exist when you are the only person alive because everyone has their throat slit. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> So obvious when you think about it. And last one, uh, televised sport. My favourite sport is two men enter, one man leave, not two men switch on remote, two men not leave for six or seven hours except to collect pizza from front door. Which was we already established pizza is uh, um, not a manly food. So, very good. High round of scoring there. Andrew. How are the scores looking as we head into the oh, final round? Oh, that's great. Like, I'm, I'm just going to give up on civilization now. I think they're all such great arguments. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, Red Sonja Redemption is out ahead on 40 oh. and a half, but Frazette about it are starting to limp a bit on 35. Ooh. Ooh. But that's right, because the final round, as we all know, is worth uh, six and a half points. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, because you guys uh, bring up the rear, uh, I will let you. What? Is that? No, 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 you guys are bringing up the we're, rear. We're yeah. touching, the touching the rear. The, touching the well, rear. Well, they're bringing up the front. In its chainmail, but in its chainmail bikini. We have truly become the Merkins. Okay, the Merkins <laughs> of this. Uh... So I'll let you decide. This is the debate round. I'll let you decide if you want to be affirmative for the moot or the negative of the moot. Let's keep it positive. Yeah. Keep it positive, very well. So you That's guys what will be positive. All about. You guys <laughs> will be the negative. The moot tonight is that Conan was right. What is best in life <laughs> is to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentations of their women. So you guys will be arguing that Conan was right on that. You guys will be arguing that maybe there is more to life than that. Um, so we will start off with. Sorry, sorry, can I just double check that quote? Yes. Crush your enemies. Crush your enemies. See them driven before you and hear the lamentations of their woman. Best in life. Mm. Which is originally not in the Conan stories. Um, Thanks, but John Milius. Yeah. And Genghis Khan, apparently. That was one of his kind oh. of uh, phrases. 
Thanks, Genghis Khan. Yeah, so we... So, um, I get my stopwatch out, and I will give friends about it uh, a minute to make your opening argument. Off we go. In this modern day and age, you know, we've got to really evaluate what's important in life. And, you know, there's some words that were as true then as they are today. <laughs> and those are, to crush your enemies. Well, yes. Yes, you should crush your enemies. It's better than the alternative. Yes. <laughs> Not but, crushing but your enemies. This, but in this day and age, you should candy crush your enemies. <laughs> and see them driven before you. I mean, in the ancient days, uh, you know, the most popular entertainment was, uh, was going to see people, people fighting in, in gladiator- gladiatorial pits. Nowadays, what is it? NASCAR. Yes. The ultimate seeing them driven before you. <laughs> yes. And hear the lamentations of their women. I mean, we all like listening to Björk. (laughs) We all like listening to Lana Del Rey, and uh, she does very little other than lament. Yeah. So it proves that these words are indeed timeless and have an application to us even today. And really, of, of all things in life, they would truly win the ribbon for best in life. The best things in life. Mm. Okay. Strong points. <laughs> Strong points. Mm. Uh, Red Sonia Redemption, how do you feel about this? Well, well, we hear you. We hear Candy Crush and we hear NASCAR and we hear <laughs> Björk. Um, if, I just, I've got two words and it's why settle? Why settle for this tiny, tiny little life? Be yourself on your phone watching shit on the TV with blah, 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 blah coming through the stereo. Is that all you want from life? There is so much more in life. This lacks ambition and this is an abject failure of imagination. Absolutely. You think of uh, recent events with small-minded men who only wanted to crush his enemies, drive them before him and hear the lamentations of specific women and now finds himself sitting atop a hollow throne surrounded by foolish... People, we think that you should aim to better your enemies, to, to lead them behind you to better things and to listen to their, the lamentations and their grievances and build a better society. And depending on whether or not you are a benevolent ruler or a cruel ruler, you can decide how you want to turn that. You could lead them in front of you, but you could do it with whips and chains. Or you could just like hold them gently to the next time you're going to have a community meeting. Okay, mm. all right. You have so, so many options. Guys, uh, the presenting <sighs> is saying that there's maybe more to life than these three Key elements. I know. I know. I know we're supposed to do rebuttal, Ben. But, yeah, but look, oh. you've made you've made some really good points. And um, I mean, po- you went through everything we said, point by point. Yeah, and you 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 might be able to say that you've crushed us. Um, ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just feels so bad to lose, it Andrew. So, it feels so bad to lose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, oh. might as well give up. We, I mean, um, we're on the I point mean, of. Running out of here. Do you guys yeah. feel driven? To, uh... Almost. Yeah. yeah. See, if, 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 if they're just giving up... And You're talking crushed. while we're talking, Jim! <laughs> <laughs> You've completely defeated us. And there's no coming back for this. No. Nope. Okay, that's a strong counter-argument. Uh, <laughs> You're right. Doesn't, doesn't it feel good? No, it doesn't. I mean, this what? is supposed to be a debate. We want a battle, and, and you're not giving us anything. But, but also, you know, thinking about what is best in life, we need to start thinking about the notions of best. Is best what makes me feel good? Is best good for the whole community? Or is it? We what? can take lots of different versions of this. So mm. what is best for our life? 
might might not be what's best for your life. Hmm, it's about a moral philosophy. <laughs> and and maybe what's best for your life is is different to what's best for our life. I don't even know what you're saying. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe so if crushing so if crushing your enemies isn't best for you, but it is best for us. Why don't we just crush you, and then everybody's okay? Oh, he's, no, no, no. la- he's got you in no, a, yeah, but, a logistical no, trap. Candy no. Crush, NASCAR, Björk. <laughs> That's where we're at. Okay, and I'm going to have to pause at this very confusing point of the argument <laughs> and ask each team to sum up everything that's happened so far in a brief statement that will convincingly state their position of where they sit on this issue. So, friends, it about it. Where, your, your closing statement? <laughs> Our closing statement. What is best in life? <laughs> Crush your enemies. <laughs> See them driven before you. Hear the lamentations of their women. Okay, good. And, uh, <laughs> and rest on your redemption, your closing statement. Why would you want to completely crush your enemies when the victories that are really, really close are so much sweeter? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it seems I, like I a random question. going to stand up with the audience. Audience, I don't know how you're feeling about this one. <laughs> Got a little bit morally and philosophically lost in just three minutes. But that's all right. So if you think... If you think they're friends about it, have a stronger argument. Clap now. Yeah. And if you think that Red Sonia Redemption have a stronger argument, clap now. It's, and if it's, you, if you not... think that we should embrace the chaos of, that comes with no civilization, you have no idea what just happened, clap now. <laughs> okay, so that's a win for chaos. <laughs> So, that'll make this final scores interesting. As we go over to Andrew now, <laughs> how did it all end up for us, Andrew? There are no need for numbers when you are barbarian. There are no scores. <laughs> all of the people out there, they are not barbarians. The audience are the real barbarians. They have the biggest score, and they win. The audience wins! Yeah! Take that, rules of order. <laughs> well, it's been... Exciting episode of the Nerd Degree. It reminds me to tell you that you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, at the Nerd Degree website, where you're possibly listening to this podcast right now. Do come and see us first Wednesday of every month at Orange Studios, where you can see the live episodes recorded and participate in the democratic process. (laughs) Thank you and good night. Why is she doing kissy face? Is what I want to know. She's doing kissy face. Like, I like that his head, that his yeah. neck is really elongated. <laughs>